Welcome into our very first football podcast of the season. It's that time of year again. Wisconsin just two days away from returning to action. Not at Camp Randall Stadium, however, as the Badgers will head to Houston to take on number 13 LSU in the 2014 Advocare Texas kickoff. Needless to say, this is a highly anticipated season opener. No more cupcakes to open up the season as the LSU game on Saturday is one of three straight primetime highlight season openers for the Badgers who will take on Alabama next year in Dallas and follow that up with a 2016 matchup at Lambeau Field in Green Bay against LSU again. And as if the game didn't have enough hype, uh, enough around it already, both teams adding a little more juice to the matchup by not releasing their starting quarterback. Now, obviously, LSU has been able to do that a little bit better than Wisconsin. As word broke early last week that Tanner McAvoy would be the guy for Wisconsin, while LSU still deciding, or maybe not still deciding, but keeping it a secret between Brandon Harris, the true freshman, or Anthony Jennings, the sophomore, and uh, Les Miles actually uh, is going to have a unique way to announce his starting quarterback Saturday night. Uh, he was quoted as saying both quarterbacks will go into the huddle together. Both will even line up under center. And then finally, finally, one will go in motion, and whoever takes the snap is the starting quarterback. But both are expected to play. And uh, for Wisconsin, both Tanner McAvoy and Joel Stave could play as well. But getting into Tanner McAvoy as the starting quarterback for Wisconsin, if that is indeed how it plays out Saturday night at NRG Stadium. This move caught many, including myself, by surprise. Uh, talking with sources, talking with other media writers, I think it caught them by surprise as well. In the end, Gary Anderson has the final say, and so we know he's behind McAvoy without a doubt. Again, you know, that hasn't been confirmed by Anderson that it is indeed McAvoy who will get the majority of the snaps and uh, start the game on Saturday, but that does appear to be the direction in which things are headed. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things in, in fall camp that we as media don't get to see, but being in practice and, and talking with other people who were in, in attendance, at least from a passing standpoint, they felt, and, and, and as did I, that Stave outperformed McAvoy. Now, in my opinion, it was close. I think McAvoy gave Stave a heck of a run for his money. You go back to last fall camp, he, he was out of the race so quick, and it was pretty obvious early into fall camp that it would be a battle between Stave and Kurt Phillips. But this fall camp, McAvoy made some tremendous strides in his passing ability, in his ability to read defenses, in his ability to check at, at the line of scrimmage his pre-snap awareness has gone up and, and that obviously comes from having another year in the system getting more comfortable back there at, at the BCS level but, but Stave had his improvements as well Stave is much better outside the pocket gets rid of the ball quicker uh, has a quicker release a little bit faster in his decision making some things that haunted him last season and of course I think the accuracy well, was much better especially down the field as well but I think we all felt, and I'll just throw my opinion out there, that this was Stave's job, and a, and uh, I was tipped off early that a close battle would obviously 
go to Stave because Wisconsin can throw Tanner McAvoy back at safety and get a potential, you know, first, second team all-conference safety back on their defense on a defense that now has lost eight starters for, from last season. So, obviously, what I was told was wrong, at least from, from my perspective, because it was a close battle, and McAvoy got the job done. Now, obviously, the coaches are seeing something we're not. And going behind the scenes to, to why Tanner McAvoy is the starting quarterback, all I can really say is that I don't know that this is set in stone for the season. And Gary Anderson, if you, if you want to dig into his remarks and decide what it means for yourself, you know, hat, hats off to you, go for it. That, that's not always an easy thing to do. But the way I see his comments and the way I interpret things based on what I'm hearing is that Tanner McAvoy may be the answer for the LSU game. He may not be the answer for the entire season. Now, I don't have this confirmed. People are keeping, <laughs> as expected, things close to the vest. But Gary Anderson has consistently mentioned using two quarterbacks throughout the season. He specifically mentioned doing it in the, in the LSU game, but we all thought it was Stave as the starter and McAvoy with the packages, not the other way around because obviously McAvoy is the, the, the better athlete. You can run with him. You can do other things with him that you can't do with Stave, even though Stave is you know, the better passer, more polished quarterback. So you bring in McAvoy as a change of pace. I don't know how much Stave will play in the LSU game, but in all honesty, it would not surprise me if he is the starter at some point in the season, not to say things go badly with McAvoy. But you look at this LSU game, I think it, it, a Wisconsin fan, uh, any Wisconsin insider whatsoever can understand when I say Wisconsin likely is in beating LSU with Joel Stave. I think they know what they have there. and You know, with this schedule, they still have a quarterback that can win 9-10 games and put up good numbers doing it. But at the same time, with so much riding on this one game that's a potential make or break for, for the inaugural college football playoff, I do like the decision to go from with McAvoy for this game. Maybe not so much long term. We'll have to see how things play out early in the season. But for this game, I think McAvoy does give you a better chance. A, because his ability to make things happen when plays break down, which they will against a very good defensive front seven of, of LSU. B, LSU doesn't know Tanner McAvoy. They don't have any film to go off of other than the spring game, which Wisconsin if they were smart, didn't show very much anyway. They can go back and see some junior college film, but, you know, you kind of have to take that for what it's worth. So McAvoy gives Wisconsin a little bit more of a surprise. It gives them better chance when plays break down. He also helps your running game, which you're going to need to win this game. If LSU is allowed to bottle up Melvin Gordon and Corey Clement, that they're going to win because – Wisconsin skill position players, frankly, aren't going to, I, I don't think, I don't see it, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but aren't going to beat LSU one-on-one -on, -one on the perimeter, out on the out near the boundary, up, out in open space anywhere. They're, they're too good. 
defense is too fast, too athletic. <laughs> you know, some of the best players in the country are lining up against them, whereas Wisconsin skill position players, there's a lot of uncertainty on the offensive side of the ball. So Tanner McAvoy gives you uh, one more weapon, I think, not only in the running game, but, you know, perhaps, you know, with, with what he can possibly do out on the edge if he can beat some people one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I, I, that's why I like this for the LSU game. Now, going forward, this is the risky call. If it is Tanner McAvoy, that starts the whole season, and, and I'm a little more conservative, so maybe that's why I question why Tanner McAvoy is the starter over Joel Stabe when we all saw and felt that Stabe had the better fall camp. Again, wasn't by much, but, you know, close battle. You, you tend to go with the returning starter, the guy you know can win you the, the games you're supposed to win. So my initial reaction when it was announced that McAvoy would be the starter, I was wowed because you don't know what you have. You, you never know what you have until he gets on the field and plays BCS football. And this is a guy that hasn't played a game on this level yet. And you're throwing him to arguably one of the best defenses in college football in week one. Now, Again, you know, Stave doesn't match up particularly well against that defense based on what we know. But McAvoy, when you look long-term and you think, okay, what if this decision goes bad? What if things don't pan out for, for Tanner and the offense in, in a couple weeks? And then you say, okay, we have to go back to Stave. Now, Stave for a backup quarterback is a heck of an option. Because, hey, he's going to win you the games you're supposed to win. He, he rarely loses games. Uh, I will say that about him. He may not win the big ones, but he's not going to cost the team the big one either. He really, uh, that I think, does a good job of, of that. But if things go badly, I, I, I would imagine it's a lot easier to start Stave and go to McAvoy than it would be to take Stave out of his starting job, then go back to Stave and basically second-guess your decision uh, a couple weeks in if things don't go well, which, you know, that was another reason this surprised me because, again, Stave is the logical, safe pick, and I think Gary Anderson, I think offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig are, are really hoping to swing for the fences and perhaps see if McAvoy gets them to that next level as a football team where, where Stave can't. And, and again, that's why, you know, perhaps the McAvoy decision makes more sense is that his upside is greater than Stave. I think, I do think Stave has some upside still. I think people forget he, he's just a sophomore, a, a former walk-on, or he was a sophomore last year, a, a former walk-on with not much experience under his belt. I thought he got, you know, treated a little unfairly by the fan base and, and you look at his stats on paper he's already one of the, the best quarterbacks in uh in program history with in terms of yards touchdown passes uh wins starts and all that which is a little surprising because when you watch the games you don't feel like he he was that good but on paper he actually had a better season than, than most give him credit for but still you, you understand why there was a quarterback competition heading into fall camp Another reason why I question the McAvoy decision, and, and I'm listening to 
a, a lot of fans on radio shows or e- even some radio hosts that, that haven't seen Tanner play yet is I think people have a misguided sense of what he is because he came to Wisconsin as a dual-threat quarterback. Not that he's not. He, he can run. But you look at a guy like D.J. Gillens, also on Wisconsin's roster, he, he's a much better runner than Tanner McAvoy. I don't think Tanner McAvoy is a guy that's going to rush for 100, 150 yards in a game. He's a very good athlete and all-around athlete, I would describe him as. I wouldn't describe him as a, a, a speedy runner. I wouldn't describe him as a guy that's going to shake people in the open field. But if you need him to make plays with his feet, he can. Now, I think he can maybe run for 50 yards a game, maybe 75 on a good day. But I don't think he's going to put up these, you know, 1,500-yard rushing seasons, you know, along with 1,500 to 2,000-yards passing that, that people think he's capable of. I don't think that's the kind of quarterback he is. I think he's worked very hard on his play inside the pocket and through fall camp. That's what we mostly saw. Now, Wisconsin does have some designed runs, some designed options for him um, to work with Melvin Gordon, Corey Clement, and, and do that kind of thing. But, I mean, we're not talking about a guy that's going to rip off, you know, big chunks of yardage all the time. We're talking about a guy that's that's probably going to pick up five, six, seven-yard gains at a time when he does decide to take off. And I, I don't see Wisconsin using him as much like a Chucky Keaton as Coach Anderson used him two years ago. Uh, I think he, he's still going to primarily be a pocket passer. And I, I didn't see enough in fall camp of him running the ball to make me think that he would be the starter over Stave simply because he could run. And by that I mean he didn't run the ball as well to really give him an edge in that department. Now, now obviously there's not a lot of tackling in fall camp, specifically on the quarterback. Nobody can touch him, so it's always difficult to read you know, how well these plays are being run sometimes. But, but, but based on what we saw, I, I didn't see a lot of game-breaking, game-changing plays from him in the running department. I, I do think he'll have some throughout the season if he lasts as the starter. But you know, I think you're, you're, looking, you're still looking at more of a pocket passer, which is, again, why I was surprised Wisconsin didn't go to Stave because when you're talking about passing the football, Stave is still the best on the team at that without a doubt. But I'm very interested to see this LSU game and, and how this decision plays out, and, and even if it is just McAvoy taking all the snaps, which, which I'm not sold will be. And you know, Gary Anderson, Andy Ludwig know more about quarterbacks. They, they've forgotten more about quarterbacks than I ever will, but that's my opinion. And I'm interested, again, I'm, I'm very, very interested. This LSU game was already interested enough, but I'm really interested to see how this decision plays out. Because like I said, uh, I think what I saw in fall camp was f- maybe far different, maybe not so far different, but the, the feeling I got based on what I saw doesn't appear to be matching up with maybe what Wisconsin saw. So it makes this game very interesting. It makes the first couple of games very interesting, add more juice to that Western Illinois game, especially if Wisconsin should drop the LSU game and then have 
have to come back the, the next week and really get some questions answered against an inferior opponent, I, I think that makes that game more interesting. And then, of course, you don't have two more cupcakes to, to finish non-conference season. You got South Florida coming to Camp Randall. You got Bowling Green, the favorite, and the MAC coming to Camp Randall. So the beginning of the season is going to be very interesting because Wisconsin – you know, for all their youth, for all their questions on the offensive side of the ball, even some on the defensive side of the ball, doesn't have game, doesn't have warm-up games anymore. You know, they got to figure out things in a hurry. They got to figure out things by Saturday night. You know, by by the second half of Saturday night, if they're going to be in that Final Four college football playoff, in all likelihood. So, uh, Tanner McAvoy likely to get the start, putting incumbent starter Joel Stave to the bench. Tanner's a, a great kid. I've known him since uh, he was a junior college recruit. Uh, very good head on his shoulders, very smart kid. Uh, I think he has the ability to perform well uh, on this big stage, and uh, all Wisconsin Nation will, will be pulling for him as well, I'm sure. Again, if I were head coach, I probably would have started Joel Stave. But I will say this. If Wisconsin is going to get to that next level as a program, I'm not sold that Stave is the guy. And I think if you look long-term and even look into next year, McAvoy, he got a lot better from his first year to his second year. And you have to think that progression is going to continue next year. And, and if you're Coach Anderson, Coach Ludwig, I think you had to do something to get this program to the next level. And, and you look at the one thing that, that kind of held them back last year, and it was their inability to make big plays late in, in games. Now there were some things on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously the Badgers gave up a lot of big plays. But I think offensive standpoint, you know, you look at what Wisconsin was when they had an elite quarterback. And they reminded me of, you know, the Minnesota Vikings a couple years ago that had a great running game, great offensive line play, you know, so-so defense. But once they got Brett Favre, that team was arguably the best in football for a while. And the same thing kind of happened when Wisconsin got Russell Wilson. And, of course, you know, some special teams and some defensive <laughs> blunders ended up costing them what could have been a, a perfect regular season. But – you look at what this program could be when you get an elite quarterback, it's a game changer. So I think if you're Coach Anderson, you had to do something. And that's why, okay, I can see Stave may be the better quarterback right now, but McAvoy's ceiling and his potential to get this program to where they want it, he has the unique ability to do that. Whereas Stave, I think he's a guy, I do think there is some upside there, but you know what you have and it, it not much is going to change. So McAvoy, you know, may be uh, thrown into the fire in week one, but I think, you know, if you're looking long-term, if you're looking where you want this program to go, maybe you just cannot ride with Stave anymore.
defensive side of the football, we'll hear from defensive coordinator Dave Aranda, cornerback Devin Galden, uh, linebacker Marcus Trotter, and cornerbacks coach Ben Strickland in a little bit. But there's also some questions heading into the Texas kickoff about the defensive side of the ball as well. The big story, however, true freshman, free safety, Luvern Figaro is going to get the start over Leo Musso. Now, obviously, Wisconsin is quite deep at free safety next to Michael Caputo. They're going to use a lot of bodies, but for the true freshman, Figaro, to not enroll early, come into fall camp and simply win the job over some guys who have some experience, including some guys who have played uh, in key moments last season, is a pretty big deal. And, you know, in order for safety's coach Bill Bush to hand him the job he he obviously saw something really good and uh definitely doesn't have any reservations to give him that starting job and based on what we saw in fall camp yeah I, I think he did make the right decision I, I I think Figaro you know obviously he's a true freshman you know he's gonna have some growing pains in all likelihood especially when you're throwing him out there against LSU, but it's not the worst matchup. You know, obviously LSU is, is LSU, but when you look at their wide receivers and, and tight ends, it's not a group of experience and explosiveness, at least not yet. You know, they have a lot of question marks there. So I think, you know, even though it's not a game where he can get his feet wet and, and really go through the motions somewhat, it is a game that's not the worst matchup to be thrown out a true freshman out there, especially when you have Leo Musso, Peniel Jean, and A.J. Jordan, who are also going to play as well. I'd expect to see Joe Ferguson in some spots and possibly Austin Hudson as well, another true freshman. So Figaro won't be alone back there, but he, he I think he's the best mix for a guy next to Michael Caputo. Uh, you know, Caputo's going to be all over the field. Um and I think what was where Wisconsin kind of got hurt last year was not having somebody as athletic as Caputo to kind of uh, roam the secondary or even, you know, another guy that can really help Caputo out in the pass rush game and run stuff in game. And now you have two guys that, you know, love to play in the box. You have two guys that can do some things uh, behind the line of scrimmage and play in the flats as well so you got two kind of interchangeable parts there that can really keep a defense on its toes rather than just having one guy do the majority of that work and Caputo uh, has helped this transition a lot by really working on his pass coverage skills I was really impressed with him in fall camp and his ability to defend the pass didn't get beat a whole lot if at all uh, did a really nice job in one-on-one -on -one coverage as well so you know, he, he's much improved, and I think he'll give Figaro a lot of help, and I think Figaro can definitely help this team because he's uh, the most athletic safety Wisconsin has when you look at his overall combination of speed, uh, power, strength, uh, you know, and just all-around athleticism. You know, he, he's going to be a good player for Wisconsin, I think, and uh, they, they definitely don't have many reservations about throwing him out there. He doesn't need to do a whole lot in coverage. Like I said, you know, you, you can rely on Caputo for a lot of those things back there, which will help. And in, in passing situations, I'd probably expect to see Musso or A.J. Jordan out there. And then when Wisconsin wants to really get after the passer, you'll probably see Figaro and Peniel Jean as well, two guys that are good at coming up, uh, either rushing off the edge or, you know, stopping the run 
put another guy in the box. So interesting to start a true freshman, to say the least. But again, this isn't your typical case where he's going to be getting, you know, 60, 70 snaps. I, I, I don't think I'd, I'd expect, you know, somewhere around 30 to 40 uh, in that range. Looking at the defense as a whole heading into the LSU game, I said in the fall, prior to fall camp, I felt like Wisconsin's defense was going to be very underrated, and I think defensive coordinator Dave Aranda and the rest of the, the defense backed that up in, in fall camp. Obviously, Wisconsin loses eight starters, seven from the front line, and then with Tanner McAvoy moving over to quarterback, that, that makes it eight starters in all. But what I thought and what I think has shown in fall camp is that with the amount of the experience these second-team guys got last year because the defense was so deep, it's really allowed for a much easier transition. These guys have been plugged in their spots and ready to go. There hasn't been a lot of growing pains. Now, you know, you don't have Bo Allen, who, you know, was one of the more underappreciated players uh, in the program over his time. Obviously didn't rack up a lot of stats, but what he was able to do in the middle, you know, without taking the glory, you know, what was big for this defense, who was, I believe, fifth nationally in, in rushing defense. Chris Borland, obviously uh, one of the best, if not the best, to ever do it at linebacker, gone. Does southward, a third-round pick, has moved on. And, um, you know, and then you lose some of the key seniors, Brendan Kelly, Connor O'Neill, who have been in the program for a while. You know, those losses hurt. But when you look at what Wisconsin's bringing in to replace them, this defense is faster, more athletic, more suited for the 3-4. And I think Dave Aranda has figured things out a little more where he, he can bend and shape his defense differently to help uh, – accommodate these guys in, in a system they weren't necessarily recruited to be in. Obviously, there's guys like Vince Beagle, who is probably a better 3-4 linebacker than he is a 4-3 linebacker, so, uh, you know, especially on the outside. So this transition was easy for him and, and helped to grow his play, and I think he could be poised for a big season. But you look at Marcus Trotter, Derek Landish, obviously probably more suited for a 4-3, but they've both had big fall camps, and, and I think those two will be the – leading tacklers on the team without much of a doubt and both of those are, are two of the more underrated players in the Big Ten just because they've sat behind you know guys like Borland for so long and then there's a lot of people like that as well on this team and then you look at the secondary Wisconsin's returning three starters uh, including Sojourn Shelton uh, arguably the best defensive player on the team so this defense is overlooked because of what it lost and I think it's going to surprise some people throughout the year. And after fall camp, I uh, spoke with Aranda on Wednesday and just talked about his confidence level after fall camp going up against you know one of the fastest, most athletic offenses in the country in week one. And, yeah, I will say this. He, he was very, very confident about what his team did in, in fall camp and thinks that's going to carry over to Saturday. I like the, uh, the feeling that we got on defense right now. I like the leadership that we have with our defense. I like, you know, there's a, there's a confidence that comes with, uh, with fall camp. There's a confidence that comes out of spring ball. And you kind of, you sign your name to your work. You know, there's a, um, there's a signature that you have. And so far, I really dig our signature. I think it's a confident one. I think it's one that's got 
uh, some mojo in it and some moxie and all that. And the, the, the true test will obviously be coming up this weekend, but I like where we're at. I also talked about that confidence with senior linebacker Marcus Trotter, and he really echoed some of the same things that Aranda was saying. You know, both have admitted, you know, it's, it's not the front line they had last season. They don't maybe have the star power they had last season. But neither has really felt like the defense has lost much of a step from where they were, um, you know, as one of the top-ranked defenses in the Big Ten and even in the country in, in a lot of areas. We're confident. We're, we're definitely confident. We have the people. We have the right um, pieces of the puzzle. Um, and this whole camp, we've been fitting them in correctly, and we feel like we can do it. You know, obviously there is um, – a little bit inexperienced, but we feel like our relentless effort, our pursuit angles, and our knowledge of the game can help us. So it's going to be a great game. LSU is an amazing offense, and um, we're just very excited to have opportunity. So, Another bonus for Wisconsin in this game is they're not facing an LSU team that's loaded at wide receiver, a position that's tended to kill Wisconsin's defensive backs in the past. You know, just look back at the, their last game in the Capital One Bowl against South Carolina. LSU uh, does have some players, obviously. You know, they always will. But from an experience standpoint, the leading receiver from last year has just seven catches under his belt. And then you look over to the quarterback position, the Tigers are expected to use two underclassmen, whether it's Anthony Jennings or or Brandon Harris, the the true freshman that gets the start. It won't change Wisconsin's defense much, regardless of who's out there and when. To tell you the truth, both are very similar quarterbacks. Uh, didn't get much separation from fall camp, so LSU will probably use the Wisconsin game and maybe a few others to decide who the starter is. But the Badgers should be seeing two quarterbacks on Saturday, and again, that really won't alter Wisconsin's defense much. Like LSU's defense may have to adjust to, to defending Tanner McAvoy or Joel Stave. Um, it, it really doesn't change anything. It would be different if uh, the quarterback from last year stayed. Then we have to do different off- offenses and so forth. But um, they're very, very similar um, quarterbacks, so it makes it easier for us to game prep. Another key storyline from fall camp that I think has gotten lost a, a little bit just because of the, the amount of players Wisconsin was trying to replace is cornerback Devin Galden. I mean, the kid hasn't played since he was a, a true freshman uh, has battled multiple injuries, uh, including a torn ACL, a broken kneecap, also some stress fractures that kept him out early in his career. Uh, the kid has been nothing but a warrior, and assuming he can get on the flight okay and, and get off the plane without hurting himself or hurt himself in, in whatever walkthrough they go through Friday, he's finally going to make his return on Saturday against LSU. I'll write more about this later in the week, but you can't not be excited for a guy like Galden who has gone through so much and even though his career might not end up being what he thought it was when he came to Wisconsin and uh, played as a true freshman in a couple of games and also uh, was highly touted by some of the upperclassmen on the team, mainly wide receiver Nick Toon who thought he would be a big time cornerback here at Wisconsin. He's still uh, going to be a, a big role player this season and next season as Wisconsin's number three cornerback. Like a dream, actually. You know, something I've been thinking about ever since I signed here at University of Wisconsin, playing these type of games, big games and whatnot. 
So this is a little surreal moment, you know, talking to my family and stuff like that. I'm glad my parents are coming up for the trip for the game. So it's something we're really excited about. Another person obviously excited about the return of Galden is cornerbacks coach Ben Strickland, who has been with Galden the entire way through the ups and downs of his career. So you know when Galden jogs out onto the field for the first time against LSU, that's sure to bring a big smile to Strickland's face. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I asked him today what his last game was, and he said his last game was UTEP, which was obviously uh, a little while back. But he, um, you know, he's excited, um, you know, about getting going, and I'm excited for him. I mean, you see the energy that he brought to spring and fall camp, and, you know, he's carried that all the way through because I think he appreciates the opportunity he has to be able to play the game and has, has had to endure a lot to get to this point. So he definitely appreciates it, and I'm excited just to watch him uh, go out there and, and play his best. I asked both Strickland and Galden about any reservations they might have about Galden returning after not playing in a game since early in the 2012 season. And both really kind of uh, not necessarily shied away from the topic, but expressed confidence that it's not really that big of a concern for them. They think they've seen enough in spring and fall camp to know that Galden's ready to play. And even though uh, it's kind of a welcome back, Mr. Galden, here, here's LSU for you, uh, kind of deal for him. It, it's still a very confident Galden, I, I would say, despite having missed so much time and may not having the trust in, in his body that most players would. And, you know, Strickland, again, has watched him through this entire process since 2011. So uh, I think he knows Galden as well as anybody. So if Strickland says uh, he's okay to go, there shouldn't be any concerns from anybody else. I think he's proven himself uh, day in, day out, and so that's why the coaches don't necessarily have concerns, and I don't have concerns because I know he's going to go out there and compete. So um, I don't have concerns that way, and I think that's why the coaching staff has, has that confidence in him because he's continued to get better every day. He's built off of the success he's had and learned from his mistakes. Galden actually said uh, in the interview as well that Coach Bill Bush joked with him that he should have fresh legs since he's had the last two years off. So we're all definitely excited for Devin and, and eager to see what he could bring to this Wisconsin secondary, which is now uh, in an odd turn of events, the, the, the strength of, of Wisconsin's defense. I, I can't remember the last time we've said that about a Wisconsin secondary. So they obviously have big expectations to live up to in the 2014 season, and having Galden back will certainly help that out quite a bit. With that, we are going to end today's show. We'll be back on Friday as head coach Gary Anderson will address the media and will give some more insight to Wisconsin's upcoming game against LSU. Season just two days away. I'll be leaving for Texas Friday morning, so I will have to rush things a bit. might be a little bit of a, a shorter show, but uh, definitely worth a listen if you like today's show. In the future, we'll obviously uh, talk a little more recruiting as well and have some recruits on the show from time to time. Also, should have a guest lined up for Friday to talk LSU Wisconsin as well. Until then, have a good Thursday afternoon, and thanks for tuning in.